Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good morning, City Life. How we doing? Excellent, excellent. It's always a pleasure to be here to share the word of God with you. Uh, Give honor to God. I give honor to Pastor Jerome uh, and the staff who are away at retreat. Um, Bid them Godspeed. We know God is speaking to them and downloading fresh information for this upcoming year. Are we excited? Are we excited for 2023? Kind (laughs) of. 2022 was interesting, to say the least, but yet and still, God is yet on the throne he's still in control. So no matter what happened this year, it, it's in the past. It's past. So we focus on the days ahead. We focus on the now. We focus on what God is doing and saying to us now. Uh, praise God for our worship team. They did a phenomenal job this morning. Shout out to my wife. Love you, babe. Um, yeah. So we are here we're talking uh, in our one series um, about loving the one, and then we're specifically focused on the song that you just heard, God's been gone a long time, but he never left. And today, what I want to zero in on, Pastor Jerome last week kind of made it personal telling his story uh, about the album and about loving the one and, and how he uh, and how God was dealing with him. What I want to talk today about is he never left when God is silent. And I want to talk from uh, the book of Malachi, uh, Malachi 2, 17 through 3 and 1. Uh, and that scripture reads, You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. So when I was little, my sister and I got lost in Zaire. Now I realize I just dated myself because who in here knows what Zaire is? Thank you. Two people. I, got, I didn't see anybody over here. We got, okay, we got All right, I got a few people who know what Zaire is. For those of you who don't know, Zaire was a department store, much like a Target. You know, you know Target, right? Okay. All right. Target, right? Or Walmart, right? Back in the day, in the 80s, we had Zaire. Okay, I'm going to keep moving. Y'all don't, okay. All right. So Zaire was a place that we would go. My mom 
Saturday mornings, we would get up at the crack of dawn, we would clean the house, and then we would go shopping. And mom would be gone all day getting stuff for the house, getting stuff for herself and hiding it in the trunk. Love you, mom. And then, you know, we'd, we'd go about our day, whatever. This particular day, my sister and I, for whatever reason, decided that it would be fun to just kind of walk around and look around in the store. Now, mind you, we get that talk. I don't know if you get the talk you, or you give your kids the talk before you go into the store. Now, listen here. I'm not buying nothing. Don't touch nothing. And stay right by my side. Anybody ever get the talk? Was it just me? No? Okay, okay, I got a few more people. Yes, you can identify with me. So we're in Zaire. And we're walking and we're going. We're with mom. We're right here, attached at the hip. Mom starts looking at clothes in the women's section. And me and my sister decided that we wanted to check some stuff out just in the aisle over. And we go, it's like the kids section, we, we're looking, it's not the toys, but it's like, you know, kids' clothes and stuff. We go over there, we turn to go back, and mom is gone. Gone. Now, when, when you're like five, you're knee-high to a cricket or whatever, like you, you don't... <laughs> You don't see your parent, that's traumatizing. That's like, it's like, it's, it's serious. This is a code red. This is not a game. Mom's gone. What do we do? And that moment in time felt like an eternity. We were disconnected from the person who we were supposed to be connected to. We were disconnected for what felt like an eternity, yet mom or we hadn't even left the store. The lack of perceived closeness felt like separation. Now we go to customer service and say, excuse me, um, but we can't find our mom. You know, because we were looking for her. She, clearly, she wasn't looking for us. <laughs> so, clearly, you know. But mom knew where we were the whole time. She just wanted to see what we would do because, for one, she had already told us, stay with me. So I owe you, Mom. I owe you. Love you, but I owe you. Um, so we, we learned a lesson that day that even though it didn't seem like we were close to her, she was there the entire time. In the book of Malachi, 
we learn about the children of Israel who again found themselves in a situation where God had to yet again call them to repentance. If we go back in the minor prophets to Haggai and Zechariah, Israel turned back to God after one of many periods of disobedience. And that brought about the completion of the temple in about 516 BC, but had not produced the messianic age that many of them had expected. In other words, they were looking for the Messiah. And because the Messiah had not yet come and the political state of Israel uh, was not where they thought it should be, Zechariah's call to repentance had grown cold among the people because God apparently had not restored the covenant blessing. So they were looking for the Messiah to come, but they were looking for him to come with pomp and circumstance, and they were looking for him to take over and overthrow the political government. And so they were looking for God to come in a certain way, and because he hadn't come in a certain way or on the time frame that they thought he should, they once again fell into disobedience. Malachi, writing a short time later, again called the people to repentance with respect to the priesthood, which had been corrupt, worship, which had just become routine, divorce, which was widespread, social justice, which was completely being ignored. And I guess that kind of sounds familiar because we too experience that in our world. Worship and church just become something that we do on a weekly basis. I've heard in the last few years so many stories of leadership in churches falling. It seems like every week there's a new article or there's a new story about a pastor or a church leader falling or, or having some type of indiscretion. Divorce. The divorce rate in, in the U.S. alone is 50%. And in the church, it's even higher. Just in the church. And so... The same thing that we deal with today is the same thing that Malachi was dealing with in these days. And he ends the book with a promise in Malachi 4, 4 through 6. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before that great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. He urged them to repent and remember with a promise from God of restoration. Verse 
he urged them to repent and remember with a promise from God of restoration. This promise, as we know, is fulfilled by God in Christ some 400 years later from the writing of this book. And that's what I want to touch on real quick. Because just like when my sister and I were in Zaire and we got lost and we, were, we felt separated from our mom, imagine a 400-year period where God is silent. Now, we know from Scripture in those days, in the Old Testament, God frequently revealed himself through angels. He revealed himself through messages from the prophets. And he frequently spoke to his people and for an, an approximate 400 years the Bible says, or we are taught through Scripture, from Malachi to the events in the gospel, nothing. They call it the intertestamental period, or in some uh, circles of Eastern Orthodoxy or Catholic, uh, Roman, Roman Catholicism, they call it the deuterocanonical period. If you've ever heard of the deuterocanonical, deuterocanonical books or the Apocrypha, a lot of those books which were excluded from the 66 books of scripture, um, those books, a lot of them were written during those times, we are, we are taught that those books are not necessarily um, useful or w within the, the continuity of Scripture. But those books were written during those times. And so that's where we get uh, that terminology from. The book of Malachi comes right before this period of time of 400 years of silence. Traditionally, it's considered to cover roughly 400 years spanning the ministry of Malachi, which was around 420 BC, to the appearance of John the Baptist in the early first century AD. It's known by some members of the Protestant community as the 400 silent years, because it was a span of time where no new prophets were raised and God revealed nothing new to the Jewish people. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere, I promise. Many of the deuterocanonical books accepted as scripture by the Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodoxy were written during this time, as were many uh, pseudographical works, the Bible's uh, Apocrypha, the Jewish Apocrypha, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Why is that important to know? Because during this time where it's thought or perceived that God was silent, the children of Israel 
still had a promise. And see, for a lot of us, we, were, we grew up in church, we grew up around church people, and we were often taught what to do when God speaks and when God is speaking to us, but they don't always deal with his silence. And so we go to church and we live our lives on the day-to-day and sometimes we get busy with doing what we do and then we get into a place where we're not hearing from God and we don't know what to do. Where you feel like you're praying and your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. Or you feel like you're, you're in church and you're in worship, but you don't feel the goosebumps. It's not about the goosebumps. That's neither here nor there. But we get into those moments where we don't feel close and we don't feel proximity to God. We're often told what to do when he speaks, but we aren't often told what to do with his silence. And I submit to you that we must follow the same recommendations that Malachi gave the children of Israel some 400 years before the birth of Christ, and that is repent, remember, so that you can be restored. Now, repentance. I know that a lot of us were raised in fire and brimstone teaching churches that really made it this I don't quite have a word for it but it wasn't as simplistic as it possibly could have been so that we can gain an understanding so I want to I want to hopefully help someone today with that word repent because I I think that what we, what we need to do is simplify a little bit. In the Greek, metanoia is the word, and it means a transformative change of heart. Metanoia, say that with me, metanoia, a transformative change of heart. We can see ourselves. We can see what's going on. And see, like, I was taught that repentance had to be this real, you know, sackcloth and ashes, really just, you know, woe is me type of situation, and talking down on myself and all of these things. And Really, if it was that, then why would the scripture say that God repented when Moses prayed to him? Because really, in essence, what God did was changed his mind. He changed his heart. What he was going to do to his people, he changed his mind. The prodigal son had this experience when he came to the end of himself. By asking for his inheritance, he really wished his father dead. 
and he spent everything that he was given and because became worse off than one of his father's servants. In Luke 15, 17 through 18, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go up to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. He had a transformative change of heart. The woman at the well had the same experience over a conversation that began with cultural differences and ended with her saying, come and see a man who told me everything that I have ever did. Her initial perception was that he was a Jew and she ended up seeing him as a prophet and finally as the Messiah. So in the moments that we feel that God is silent, number one, we need a change in perception. We need a change on the heart level. Shout out to my buddy Andrew. He taught me that one when we were in group because our heart pumps blood, right? But we always say that we, oh, we know this by heart or we, you know, we had a change of heart. No, we had a change of heart. We had a change in our volition. We had a change in our mind. The second thing that he told them was remember. Remember that you are loved. Remember that you belong. Remember that you have purpose. And for, for scripture to add to that so that during your meditation time, you can focus on these things. Jeremiah 31 and 3. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. King James says, with loving kindness has I, have I drawn you. So remember that you are loved. Remember that you belong. First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You belong. You are a part of that community. Remember that you have purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. When you get into a place where you don't feel like you hear God, when you feel like God is not speaking to you, just like Jesus in the garden when he was tempted of the devil, you have to remind yourself what does scripture say? I know this is what the enemy is saying. I know this is what I believe in my head, but I need a transformation. I need a transformative change of heart to say, this is the promise. And God, until I hear from you, I'm going to stand on the promise. So we repent, we remember for restoration. Worship team, if you want to join me, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. We know that Christ restored us to fellowship with God. 
we know it. But sometimes we forget. It seems like he's been gone a long time, but friends, he hasn't left. Some of you might, this might be your first time visiting or first time joining us online, and you may feel like you've been gone a long time, that God's been gone away from your life a long time, but he never left. First Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Does anybody remember the story of the footprints in the sand? It's my wife's favorite story. Love you, babe. What happened in that story? You see the two sets of footprints, and it's God, and it's you. But then there's the rough times, the rough patches. And there's only one set of footprints. And then in the good times, there's two. You look back and you're like, God, why did you leave me alone during the rough times? And he said, look again, those footprints that you see, the one set, they're not yours. They're mine. Because in those times that you thought you were alone, I carried you. Sometimes when we feel the most vulnerable, think about your child. When your child is crying, you don't have time to try to speak to them. Now, listen, now. I mean, an, an infant, we, we I, okay, I used to try to rationalize with our infant children, but that didn't work. But sometimes all they needed was just to know that you were there. They just needed to be held. And it's those moments of silence that God is just calling us closer. It's not necessarily silence, but it's intimacy. And if we just lean in, remember the promise. Eventually, the still small voice will begin to speak. And so, that's why this song is so key. Because I, I, I may not know what's going on, but you know what, God? I'm going to wait on you. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.